Folding Helmets, an international discussion. This is Wheel Life. Legal reflections on vulnerable road users. The podcast where two experienced lawyers, who also happen to be enthusiastic cyclists, chat their way through topics concerning cyclists and other vulnerable road users from a legal and insurance perspective. Hello, I'm Emily Formby of 39 Essex Chambers. Um, and sadly, in this episode of We Are Life, I'm afraid to say I'm without Caroline Hall of DAC Beechcroft, my usual co-host, because she's away. And it's sad anyway, because it's always good to have her to chat with. But it's particularly sad because this episode of We Are Life goes international. And we're absolutely delighted to be joined today by Jessica and Asaf of the Things That Fold blog. So hello. Hi, Emily. Hello. Thank you for having us. Not at all. It is so exciting. So please tell me a little bit about you guys and and, and the blog, and, and then we'll kind of talk about how we came to meet each other. Great. Well, we live in Manhattan. And as I'm sure most of our listeners know, uh, Manhattan is known for its teeny tiny apartments. So in order to make our lives a bit more functional, we almost became de facto experts in finding things that fold. Everything in our lives folds um, in order to... uh, be able to fit the things we need, kitchen appliances, stuff for kids, and of course, helmets. <laughs> yeah, so it's really interesting. I came across you um, because I was looking for a bike helmet that folded. I never knew they existed, but um, loyal listeners of the podcast may know from the first series, we were talking to a colleague of mine who was talking about having a folding helmet, and it got very exciting, and I have now bought myself a lid helmet Um, because I'd take it on the train with me commuting into London. Um, But when I was looking around, I came across you guys and I just thought it was fantastic. Your blog is fantastic. Um, Anyone who's interested in foldy things must have a look. But also it's just got loads of information about folding cycling helmets which I think is where you come in Asaf because I think that that you have more interest in the biking than in the than in some of the other products on the on your on your blog that's true yeah I did take point on most of the folding helmet items because <laughs> I, I do love biking and that's that's kind of what I do in the city so yeah, so tell me so I mean I cycle in so I cycle in London quite a lot I cycle a lot as my kind of means of getting around Caroline who as I said isn't with us today she cycles for kind of fitness and health and does like mad things like cycling around Loch Lomond and really long sportifs um and so where do you set in that kind of realm what's your what are you you, you guys what's your cycling experience well, i think i do most of the cycling uh between uh, jessica and i <clears throat> um <laughs> so I, I i mostly ride my bike uh to work um I, I i enjoy riding my bike for fun but in new york city there um it's not it's not as fun um unless you have <laughs> you know a nice bike and you're able to kind of take it outside of the you know the main streets which, which i can't really do so it's so you cycle in Manhattan itself. I mean, to me, that seems like an unbelievably terrifying prospect because my kind of experience of Manhattan is just mad car traffic jams 24 hours a day. Yes, I, I agree. It is. It does feel a little terrifying at times. Um, th- there aren't a lot, of, a whole lot of bike lanes and um, there's a lot of traffic and, you know, People people are always in a rush in New York, so yeah. you really you really feel that uh, when you're cycling. So what? So one of the things that's interesting in London as a kind of 
old style European city is it can be, everyone always tells me I'm mad to cycle, well, non-cyclists tell me I'm mad to cycle, but it's actually a very easy city to cycle in because there are always about five or six routes to any destination. And most of them are really hopeless for cars because most of the city streetscape was set out before there were cars. And there are kind of arterial roads and there are main passageways. But it's very, very easy to be in really quiet streets when you're cycling. But my vision of New York is it's just a kind of up and down crisscross uh, city. And therefore, it's pretty ideal for cars and then perhaps a little less perfect for bikes. Is that right? I think so. I think that's true. Um, this, the New York city has tried to, uh, implement more bike lanes, uh, but it's still not perfect. Uh, the bike lanes are usually just kind of painted line in the road. Uh, and the cars still use the bike lane, you know, for turning, um, you know, for stopping, uh, just for driving through, for, through them. So, uh, they, they don't really feel very protected, uh, for the most part. Trucks use them as loading and unloading zones, whether or not they're actually supposed to is a whole nother thing. Uh, but you could be biking and all of a sudden you're like, oh, the bike lane is completely blocked off with a big truck. We, we do have, uh, New York City does have a park um, kind of on the west. It's, it's, you know, it's a long island and on the west side and east side going up and down um, on either side, there is a park as well as a big park right in the center called Central Park. So um, if you want to avoid cars, that's pretty much where you have to go. Okay, so what you can sort of traverse up and down in on uh, in the parks on the sides. Well, Central Park only goes down to 60th Street, so you know you can take Riverside um, or the East River Park if you're on the east side to go up and down the islands. But the in the center, Central Park won't get you, for example, to Midtown. It'll only get you part of the way there. Yeah. Okay, sounds a bit dicey to me. Um, and then do you have, um, we have in, in London a proliferation, well, not just London, we have a proliferation of um, for hire on the street, both bikes and scooters that are a kind of big thing about, you know, pick up and go and pay as you go bikes, some 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 that are um, locked in place, which in, in London we call the Boris bikes, and um, although they're Santander bikes properly named. And then we also have kind of um, people that you just kind of pick them up and, and dump them wherever you are. Do you have something similar? So we have the same, I think a very similar thing thing we have we call them city bikes like uh the bank um <laughs> and uh they're they're i think they're probably the same thing uh they're they're kind of um locked into uh, a bike rack and you know you you need an account to take them out and they're pretty heavy um i think they're about maybe 45 50 pounds each uh so they're not they're not super fun uh to bike with uh but they are very functional and uh very very strong bikes some of them now they have electric and regular options available for city bike and we don't have electric scooters available for rents in in new york i was going to ask about the e-scooter the e-scooter is caroline's great passion point we always talk about e-scooters whatever else we're talking about so um she will be sad to know you don't have them yet but um i'm a great fan of the electric bikes we can hire electric bikes as well and they're fantastic i love them um so that's great i mean that's exciting if a little bit hairy so i'm guessing that part of the need for folding helmets is because you're not going to want to go too far in manhattan without a bike helmet i think just before we would even approach the helmet wearing uh one aspect that affects both the folding helmets and the fact that we have these bikes for for rent the city bikes is that it is a city where bike theft is a big issue 
Um, so if you are using the city bike, you can just dock it and not have to worry about someone taking it. But then you have your helmet with you, right? And if you have to take that everywhere, you have to take it into the office, maybe later on the subway, you know, nobody's leaving anything outside. <laughs> so it, it it's really important to have something compact that you can bring everywhere. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a good point. And I think um, some of that sort of incidental cycling is easier when you're going from a set destination. So I find it really easy to, you know, cycle to work or cycle to, you know, pick up my, my son from school or whatever that are sort of set regular routes and you know where you're going and when you're going and where you're going. And it's the kind of the, I mean, certainly the, um, uh, the traffic um, reduction policy in, in in UK cities, and it's you know can't be that different in America, is very much around getting people to do all the kind of little journeys by bike. So you know, pop to the shop, and then you pop to the library, and then you kind of nip off to get your dry cleaning, and then you pop back home. You know, so those are the tricky ones because you're kind of starting and stopping in lots of different places, and you need you know we've talked about lots of different issues, but one of the things you need is to be able to lock your bike up safely, and another thing is to be able to carry your stuff. Um, which is where the kind of folding helmet comes because if by the you know before you get to the shops you're already lugging five tons of kit <laughs> it makes it all a bit tricky really doesn't it <laughs> yes and also just another point there with that is we one of the reasons we don't have the e-scooters in New York um, that we've seen in other cities at least in the United States uh, is that for example in Detroit you can just leave an e-scooter anywhere for the next person to pick up New York, they won't let you do that because we don't have that kind of space. It was a massive deal for them to take away a few parking spaces to put city bike docks. And, uh, you know, there isn't really a place where they would have for e-bikes to uh, e-scooters to be around yeah i think i mean it is it is an issue and the, the busier your city the harder it is because of course your your pavements or your sidewalks are crowded and it's, um you know we've had lots of discussions about accessibility and and people with reduced mobility or people with you know buggies and push chairs get you know uh, disproportionately affected by additional street clutter. Um, so that can be, you know, that can be quite a tricky point as well. Absolutely. Unfortunately, Manhattan is not where it needs to be in terms of accessibility. It's just, it's very sad. Yeah. No, I mean, it's, it's a difficult one. And particularly when uh, a lot of the transport is, say, the subway or whatever. And, and you know, you need to have a pretty advanced degree of mobility to, to access that. And then the other options aren't necessarily much easier anyway so um i can i can see that i mean i love manhattan i have to say it's a Thank fantastic you. city <laughs> it's well, been a I while love London. <laughs> oh, so maybe we could do we could have a live meetup we could like go we could go um which you, you know go out in the field and come and do some kind of bike helmet testing in manhattan streets so if we are okay here we are we're coming to cycle in manhattan and uh, obviously having had a little coffee with you and some you know appropriately folding cup and a, maybe do a folding muffin and then a, i don't know a folding bagel <laughs> or whatever um and then we're going to get our folding helmets so what what you know what can you tell us about that Asaf? give us a little or both of you what can you tell us about the folding helmets okay so the thing about the folding helmets is like you said they're they're really portable you can just kind of stuff them in a backpack um you know you don't have to worry about them i mean often they only fold a couple of inches but a lot of times that's just just what you need in order to be able to fit it in a briefcase um even if they're not super compact um the other thing i like about them is that they're a little bit more discreet so if you're coming into the office uh like i am 
um, you know, sometimes you don't want to be carrying around like, you know, a big coat and a big helmet and your big brief, you know, it's, it's nice to be able to, um, to be a little bit more discreet about, about that. Um, so I think those are some of the big, um, the big advantages I like about them. Uh, on the other side, they are, they are very expensive. Uh, you, you know, you probably noticed, I think, uh, the one that you got the lid, I think is, um, I don't, I don't think that one's super expensive. It might be a little bit more, um, on the lower end of the price range, but, um, they often, they typically go for over a hundred dollars. Um, I think some of them even go, uh, into two hundreds. Um, so they are, they are pretty expensive and I don't think that they've had, um, like for example, we, with folding bikes, uh, I think there's been a lot of interest and a lot of uptake um, that, that's really become very commercially viable. The folding helmets, uh, even though they've been around for a while, they've always seemed to struggle to kind of get the same traction. Um, and I think part of that, I think, is probably the you know the price point. People really aren't, I don't think, willing to pay three, four, or five times uh, more for for a helmet um, uh, as maybe they are for for the convenience of folding bicycle. Um, and then the other thing I think is just the, kind of the commercial viability of it. It's, it seems like there's just not, um, there's just not the same level of demand to be able to sustain like a big market for folding helmets. So they've, they've kind of struggled, I think, to, to, you know, to stay relevant. It's interesting because the, the lid is definitely not very expensive. I mean, I, I remember, I can't remember exactly how much I paid for it, but it was one of the sort of deciding factors for me is I wanted a helmet and then for very much of a, much around the price I would have been paying anyway, I could get a folding one. So that seemed worth it. It certainly wouldn't have been worth it to me to pay twice the price to get a folding helmet, um, personally speaking, because, I mean, I get what you mean. You don't want to prance into the office in, you know, bright yellow lycra all the time with a big helmet. But um, it wouldn't have been, you know, it wouldn't have been such that I would have paid three times the money to have had a discreet helmet. Um, but it was really the sort of convenience and also sort of feeling that um, you can get it in your backpack or that it just takes up less space when you're, you know, wherever else you are is a, is a kind of good feeling. But um, I think, I suppose it, it's also, you, you know, the pool of people, If everybody who cycles needs a bike, obviously. And so there's going to be quite a large proportion of that Venn diagram that will then be attracted by a folding bike. But actually, so there's quite a lot of people that cycle that don't automatically wear helmets. And so of your cohort, you're already cutting it down. And then from there, um, you know, you get um, obviously a smaller number that will get the folding helmets. Um, although the, the sort of amount of money being spent on cycling, certainly in the UK, has exponentially risen. It's become, if I say, might say so, it's become the sort of way that uh, men of a certain age spend a lot of money, for sure. And, you know, it used to be sort of golf or cars, and now it's bikes. And, you know, the range of insanely expensive sort of bikes that do everything and make you an espresso along the way is sort of, you know, amazing. And the kit that goes with it, you can have so much kit. Um, but I suppose that's a sort of um, going out and definitely cycling, whereas this is more the kind of person who is probably wearing normal clothes and is just sort of, you know, popping on a helmet for their last mile. I, I'm not sure. But of, of, of the ki- of the kinds of things, so price, that's a really interesting point. And I suppose also the technology must be pretty, um, you know, there must be some fairly active changes in technology to make something that is really, really appreciably safe. 
um, and, and and I mean the concept of your folding helmet is in, in in a way it's a bit of an oxymoron. You kind of think that can't be a good plan. <laughs> <laughs> so um, yeah, so I mean I guess there must be a lot of kind of new research going on. Well, yeah, no, in terms of technology, absolutely. Um, the, the, you know, you're engineering something kind of from scratch. You know, you're not taking kind of like the same design of a fo- of a regular helmet and just kind of changing the shape a little bit. You know, you really have to kind of re-engineer it from the ground up. Um, and you have to take not only safety into account, but also kind of the manufacturing, which isn't isn't really trivial. You know, with a regular helmet, you might just be, um, and I'm not an expert on this, but, you know, I understand that uh, typical helmets can just be injection molded, which is a pretty established and easy process. Uh, but with these helmets, they're composed of multiple pieces that you then have to assemble. And often they're very kind of precisely um, designed in terms of dimensions. So manufacturing it is not not an easy process, um, you know, making sure that it still passes um, safety standards. Um, it, it's it's pretty it's pretty complicated. And I think that engineering um, cost definitely factors into the the end cost of the user. Yeah. And um, I, I mean, I was reading some of what you were writing about different materials that the helmets are made of, which is quite interesting. Right. Yeah. So typically, I think, uh, again, not not an expert, but my understanding is that almost all helmets on the market are kind of following the same basic design of uh, EPS foam, which I guess is kind of reminds me a little bit of styrofoam, but it's maybe a little bit firmer for a helmet, I think. Um, and then on the outside, there's typically like a kind of harder plastic layer, um, which typically is ABS or polycarbonate. Um, and then, you know, then it's painted, uh, but it's, it's a pretty, it's a pretty, um, familiar, pro- um, process or design. They all kind of follow the same basic structure. Um, and, um, I, I suppose that the outer layer is supposed to kind of catch the initial shock and then, and then the, the foam on the inside is kind of maybe, um, a couple inches thick or one, one inch thick or so. And that's supposed to kind of absorb, um, some shock as well. Um, and some some of the folding helmets have experimented with different materials, uh, and that's been that's been uh, an interesting thing to watch as well. Uh, some of them have tried to use maybe kind of recycled plastic, um, and others have tried to use maybe kind of like a memory foam type material uh, instead of the hard uh, hard EPS foam. Um, so it's been interesting. They've had varying degrees of success uh, in, in trying out different materials. So do you have insight on what has worked? Or what, I mean, I, I, as you say, and, and it's worth repeating, we're not experts. We're not saying, you know, this is how it works or not. But obviously you've done some um, looking into it and, 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 and chatting to people about it. And in that, in that um, space, feeding on what, what you've picked up, um, in t- what have you learned about the different kinds of materials or what's, what you know does or doesn't work? So one thing that I think um, I did not realize as a consumer uh, prior to starting this whole research was uh, that safety the safety testing testing isn't just about the impact. It's also about kind of performance under different environments. Um, and, and again, I, I do have to reiterate, I'm not an expert on, on safety testing, but just kind of based on secondary research, um, my understanding is that they still need to be... Um, uh, they still need to work in kind of hot environments, cold environments, uh, wet, dry, and that's where uh, some of the different materials might might struggle. Um, so, for example, memory foam might work really well uh, at room temperature, but if it gets a little bit hotter um, or a little bit more uh, damp, uh, that could affect its properties uh, significantly enough that you might not be able to pass 
uh, testing without having to re-engineer the material a little bit. Yeah, no, that makes sense. I mean, we were talking in the last episode about the, the safety standards in terms of speed of impact and direction of impact and stuff. But of course, how the material performs in different environments, you can see that that's another important factor. Just an important word of caution. There are a quite a few um, uh, knockoffs, cheap knockoffs available through less reputable sources online uh, that you don't really know what they're made of. And again, we're not safety experts, but I would caution against buying one of the, and you'll know, it seems uh, maybe too good to be true with the price and it's not coming direct from the manufacturer. Uh, you know, we can't vouch for those for sure. <laughs> yeah, no, that's a really important word of caution. And we've spoken before about the safety standards. So um, in, in the UK, we still um, hold to the EU standards of the EN um, 1078 or 1078 standards. And, and and of course, if you're buying any, any piece of equipment, it, it um it's important to check that it matches the safety um, standards that it that it um, is required to adhere to. Um, but as you say, a, a, a simple guide is if it seems too good to be true, it probably is. And I suppose that's one of the things that's a little bit confusing about the kind of, as I said before, you know, the whole idea of a helmet that folds seems to be just a, a bit of a, a contradiction in terms. Um, so in terms of the sort of styles of helmets that you've seen, you know, there's a number of ways in which you can go from big to flat really aren't there in the sort of you know this the sort of concertina folding up compression sort of thing and and the styles that I've seen either tend to be almost like a fan that comes out and goes in to some sort of greater or lesser extent or there are some that sort of seem to fold in the middle or almost sort of claw in upon themselves are, are there any sort of guy you know what have you kind of seen in terms of the realms of of, of how you achieve your folding <laughs> yeah it's actually that's a really interesting question because they've all sort of taken different uh different takes on it um and some of them like you said kind of fan up um and there, there are a couple i can think of that um yeah, just kind of like almost like a hand fan, just kind of the sides kind of come into the center. Um, others are more like, if you can imagine like the, the helmet being a bowl, just kind of collapse into the center, just kind of collapse in on themselves. And then others have kind of taken different different approaches as well. Some of them kind of roll up, or at least uh, that, that was the original intent for, for some of them. We'll see if they're able to make it to market with that original design. Some of them, the one that's um, memory foam, just kind of squeezes into itself. The, yeah, they're really. And then uh, there was one that's you know no longer on the market. Uh, the more fur, that one kind of folded in half, um, kind of like a sheet of paper. So, and then and then there's another one. It's like uh, there's a there's a French company. I think they're called Overaid, um, and they it's like a interesting it's like an interesting mechanical thing to watch there are all these pieces that kind of fold in different directions to eventually get it to fold up into like a kind of smaller shape but it, but it's not like a neat uh, neat thing one way or the other it just different parts of it come up and down and in and out and and it's and suddenly folded so that's kind of this the the one that in in the uk i think is called the Costco loop and it might be i think it's called the hudson for you guys which looks a little bit like the guggenheim museum that kind of comes up and down in a kind of or, or a sort of snail spiral i mean that that seems to um uh be quite a interesting and and possibly simple design um um, and, 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 um, then there is a, there's others that kind of come in and out widthways, which is what the sort of the lid does. Um, and some of the other designs do as well, don't they? 
Does it seem to be, I mean, there doesn't seem to be a sort of universal standard of what works. There isn't, which is pretty cool to watch that everybody's trying, everybody's trying something different and it's cool to see like which one, uh, which one is, uh, you know, kind of stickiest design. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that, that one I think is very popular. The one that you mentioned, um, I think the company is called Kloska. Uh, they, they have a couple different designs, um, but they all, they all follow the same basic structure of kind of folding in um it's hard to describe without showing you but um kind of like i think of just like kind of a bowl collapsing in on itself from the center yeah no so i mean it, it sort of goes up and down doesn't it it kind of goes um it as i said it's sort of like it concertinas up on itself a bit like a a bit like an old opera hat an old um top hat that collapsed flat you know it's the same sort of idea because i guess i guess that we've we've got the modern take of the of the old um uh, of the old top hat, you know, they were a devil to store, and so they made the opera hats that, that concertina had flat. Um, and now we're in the sort of same realm. It's just bike helmets, maybe less glamorous, but uh, <laughs> the modern take. <laughs> but but it's interesting also to see like how, how they evolve because for for example, um, that one I think is very successful, and from what we've seen, it's probably one of the most popular designs uh, or most popular helmets that we've seen here in in New York. Um, but you know, who knows? Like I, I've, I've read some comments uh, online about people saying after a few years that kind of the mechanism that allows it to fold, uh, into itself, um, kind of becomes maybe a little bit weaker and it yeah. will maybe fold in without, without any sort of, um, without you, without you trying to fold it in, it'll maybe just collapse in on itself right. inadvertently. Right. So it's interesting to see how, how these things continue to evolve. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting. So my, 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 um, helmet, it doesn't have any sort of locking mechanism. It just pushes in and pushes out. But actually, it's quite good because it goes with the, the shape of your head. So what it really means is it it's quite close fitting without having to fiddle with all sorts of straps. I mean, it's a sort of unlooked for advantage that it naturally sits quite close to your head because it kind of automatically um, is 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 ready to close up, so to speak. Um, so I mean, as long as as long as it retained its integrity, I, I couldn't see that that would be a particular disadvantage because your head keeps it in place. And also, I've noticed in the winter, what's really good is it also goes out a little bit more, so you can put a hat on underneath it <laughs> when it's really cold, and it just you know stick it over the top and it just expands out a little bit. So um, you know that that's quite a good thing. Is there anything? I mean, what, what's your kind of? Do you have a design that you particularly like, or or something that that has sort of that you? What do you use that floats your boat? I actually have both of them with me. The the one I was saying before. I think is very popular the the Klaska one. I'll, I know that people, uh, our listeners can't see this, but this is this is the Klaska helmet, and it like you see. Well, maybe we can put a photo up on, on when, when we go online. It'd be kind of cool because I'm getting to see this, but uh, obviously being a podcast, you can't see it yourself. It's very convenient. It's super easy to fold and unfold. You just kind of push in the sides, and it comes in, and you can you don't even have to unfold it. You can just kind of put it over your head, and your yeah. head will just cause it to expand the size. And that is in terms of convenience. Uh, I think it's really great. Yeah. Um, and they have a higher end helmet. Uh, this is also one of the least less expensive ones. Right. Um, so that one's great. Um, the one that I tend to use, however, is, and I have this one as well, uh, this one's called the Fend. This expands um, outwards to the sides. So that's like the sort of fan, the fan style. Yeah. And it clicks into place. Oh, um, we can hear it. We've got sound yeah. effects. That's fantastic. <laughs> That's right. And I, and I do like that. There's something very satisfying about it. It feels, you know, clicks into place. There's a cool ratchet um, yeah. in the back to um, tighten and loosen it, which, which seems like it's good quality. And I like the way that it looks. So, that, so this is the one that I personally use, although I don't think it's the most popular because it is more expensive. And it's ventilated because of that fan shape. Some of the, uh, as you call them, Guggenheim shaped, which yeah. I think is very apt. The Guggenheim shaped ones 
tend to not really have many openings because it's three solid pieces. Whereas the fans with the fan shape, you have um, a lot more ventilation like you would see on a typical non-folding helmet. Yeah, no, that's true. When when you unfold it and click it into shape, it looks much more like a regular helmet, like a more like a racing helmet with the air with the airflow. Yeah, I can I can see that. And of course, we're not at this point saying that you should go and buy one or another. We're just um, you know chatting about what we've used ourselves and what we find good. And different people have different needs. Some you know want something that'll fold into the shape of a briefcase others the shape for a backpack some come in different sizes for different size heads different colors different price points so yeah. even if one helmet works you know uh, emily seems to love her green helmet and i was just you know, gonna say exactly <laughs> but i don't know if that helmet would fit on a soft's head you yeah, know everybody got has really cool black slick sleek and i've got fluorescent green <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, no, that's exactly a fair point. I mean, like, as as with anything, what you know, what suits you might not suit another. So, is there anything sort of else that anything sort of radical on the horizon, or um, you know, as you say, everyone's coming up with their own innovative ideas. Are there any ideas that are going to kind of, uh, you know, rock the folding helmet world that you know that's coming through? There's one that I would love to see that I don't think we've seen yet, and a soft correct me if I'm wrong on this, um, but now. Uh, the kind of gold standard for safety with helmets is MIPS, the multi-impact um, protection system for side impacts protection. And they haven't really been able to incorporate that into a folding helmet that I know of, unless the staff knows otherwise. I would love to see that. I don't see any coming on the horizon, but that's that would be my dream. <laughs> uh, that would really make things an, uh, a lot safer, would make things pretty nifty on that front I and mean, we talked about some of the kind of research um and that sense of the the side impact in in our last episode when we were looking at uh the sort of legal implications of helmets because of course the standard at the moment is only a direct um uh, it's only a direct low speed 12 miles an hour impact and torsional force is what really causes the harm so yeah no, that that would be good that would be good and actually what would be even better would be people not driving into cyclists <laughs> <laughs> not seeking to be too partisan at this stage but, but uh, yeah an, an end of accidents but uh, i guess that's a little bit too much yeah in terms of engineering i mean i think that's a good point a lot of times uh when when the helmet it just kind of first appears um on indiegogo you know or something they're trying to raise funds uh they, they kind of come out with very bold claims of creating like this incredibly new design that's never been tried before and they'll kind of ship it out in three months and what we've seen in practice that is that that you know that timeline often is much much longer it's on the order of probably closer to years than months and um there are often significant kind of compromises in terms of the design so that you know you might see some amazing promises um up front but they might not actually pan out when it, when it actually comes to engineering and, and manufacturing it um so that's you know, that's something that we still have to see. There are some helmets on uh, that are still being developed um, and we'll see what they're able to, to produce. But it's quite exciting. I mean, that sense of an engineering and technology frontier. You thought it was a daily commute. I thought it was a daily commute. But in fact, we're cutting edge engineering experimental people. I do think that the... Um the head case that, that's already made it to market a couple of years ago, but uh, that's the one that is made with um, like I think kind of like a memory film material, 
And that is really interesting, not just because it's a different material, but the properties allow it to, for example, uh, they claim to be multi-use. So typically with a helmet, um, I, I believe, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but typically if you enter into a collision with a helmet or even if you maybe drop it hard enough, the helmet's ability to withstand another impact might be compromised. And uh, this helmet supposedly uh, can withstand all sorts of destruction. And, and they actually have some pretty interesting videos on YouTube of kind of being, being rolling over it with a tractor, dropping it from like a crane from like 200 feet and uh, or something not not really 200 feet more like uh, 50 feet but you know but all still, these sorts yeah, of crazy yeah. cra- crazy sort of trials and and uh and see that it still is able to uh withstand um their tests on the kind of the impact so that, that, that's pretty interesting yeah no that is interesting because you're right most of the most of the helmets are, are meant to be you know sort of single use if you have any impact you're meant to replace it and i, I suspect that, that, that many are not replaced uh, and therefore unwittingly people may have less protection than they believe. What I think is also really fascinating is obviously we're talking about folding helmets and that was where I found you but in the process of having the great pleasure of meeting you and you know I emailed and you emailed back and since then we've been chatting which has been really interesting is learning about some of your other foldy things um, and I think just my favourite is um, you talking about Maybe you can just finish off by telling us about your unbelievable folding slide. <laughs> I love the idea of that. So it, maybe you need to wear a helmet for this, or maybe you don't. But please, <laughs> Jessica, tell us about that. So I have to say one of my favorite folding products is the Wowie. That's the brand name is Wowie Folding Slide. Um, I don't know if it's available to in the UK or not, but in <laughs> no idea. it has saved me in this pandemic because it's a cardboard slide. So it only costs like 30 American dollars. It folds completely flat right? So when it's the pandemic and, you know, a rainy day and you're stuck in a tiny little apartment with nothing to do and then boom, 30 seconds, you've popped open this slide. Smaller kids only. My my older one outgrew it by size five, by age five. But for the little ones, it's great. Uh, you know, it instantly puts a playground in your apartment. I give it as gifts to all of my friends' <laughs> kids, because it's an absolute sanity saver to be able to, uh, you know, one minute you're in a Manhattan apartment, one minute you're on a <laughs> on a, on a makeshift playground. It's uh, it's great. What I love about that is, you know, the, the old the old saying that you give you, you give your kids a great present and all they do is play with the cardboard box, and you're like, this <laughs> is the present. It's fantastic. <laughs> So I think that's a really great idea. So one day I shall come over with my folding helmet and and come and have a go on your slide. And, and um, <laughs> in the meantime, thank you so very much for coming to talk to us today and sharing so much information about folding helmets and indeed Manhattan and for being our first international guest. It's such a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you thank very much you. indeed. Thank you. It thank was you so much for having us on your podcast. You. <laughs> you take great care guys thanks for listening wheel life is brought to you by international law firm dac beechcraft and barristers chambers 39 essex chambers discover more articles podcasts and webinars over at dacbeechcraft.com and 39essex.com